Well, hello, everybody. How's it going? Wow, can we give a hand for that worship team? That was, woo, man. Lean us right into the presence. Woo. God could do more in that time of worship than I could do standing up here talking for two hours. So his presence changes us. Woo, thank you, sir. Man, before we got going, um, while I was in worship, I felt like the Lord just kind of highlighted this passage of Scripture. And I just really felt like the Lord was leading us into a moment um, before we get going here. And so the scripture that the Lord put on my heart was Psalms 34, verse 17 through 19. And it says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears. And he delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones, and not one of them will be broken. And while I was worshiping, I really felt like the Lord was leading us into a moment just to get real before the Lord. You know, sometimes we come into church and we, hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing good, doing good, doing good, doing good. But inside, like, man, our, our heart's really broken over something. And I just, you know, God's been speaking to me a lot about, through Genesis 16, how he's a God who sees when we're in the lowest of the low. And he cares enough to sit with us in that. And he, his solution to a broken heart is his nearness. It's his presence. He says he's near to those who have a broken heart and he saves those with a crushed spirit. So real quick, before we get going tonight, is if that's you and you're just saying like, wow, like I came in here carrying a big burden. You know, maybe it was from, you know, the death that we all experienced as a church family with Pastor Ken's passing. Maybe your heart is just really broken over that. But maybe it's something else. Maybe you had a friend, you know, kind of turn their back on you. Maybe you lost something with your job that you were kind of hoping for. Maybe there's just a certain area of your life. Maybe something's going on in your family. And it's just kind of weighing heavy on your heart. I wanted to give some space here for the Lord just to kind of minister to you and for his presence to go. So if that's you, if that's you, everyone just bow your head, close your eyes a minute. And if that's you, I just want you personally just to ask the Lord, would you, Lord, would you come and fill me with your presence? Lord, I need you to be near right now to me. God, my heart is broken within me, Jesus. Lord, I don't know where to turn. Lord, I have all these questions in my mind and I don't have many answers. And Lord, I look around and I thought it was gonna go this way, but Jesus, it went on a different way. But Lord, rather than run away from you, I'm gonna run to you, Jesus. Because I know that in your presence, there's fullness of joy and in your presence, there is healing from, from my broken heart. So we're just going to take a few moments here and just let the Lord minister to you individually.
Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, I thank you, Father God, that your presence fills everyone gathered here and everyone watching online. Lord, that your supernatural presence, Jesus, would come in and mend every single part of our hearts. Lord, we go through trials and tribulations in this life, but Lord, you said to take heart for you've overcome the world. So Jesus, rather than letting the doubts and the questions drive us away from you, God, we choose to take our doubts and our questions to you, Jesus. And what, what the enemy meant to drive a div- dividing wall between me and God is actually going to breed a greater depth in relationship. Lord, we come to you, Jesus, and we humble ourselves before you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Wow, so good. Well, if you guys don't know me, my name is Jared Blaukamp, and I am super honored to be with with you guys here tonight. Um, I feel like the Lord has given me something specific for us tonight that's going to lead us into a very, very powerful moment at the end. Um, but largely what I'm going to be doing tonight is I'm going to be sharing from a missions trip that I actually got to go on over the summer. And so this, this missions trip was with an organization called the Every Heart Movement. And the Every Heart Movement is simply just a group of young adults that all have looked at our world and we've seen that, man, the world is hurting and broken. And there is a great need for the gospel in this day and age. I remember the last time I was here, I spoke on the the importance of truth and that we would share the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And that is what our world needs today is an open proclamation of the gospel. People who are unashamed and unafraid in the power of the gospel, which brings salvation to everyone who believes. And so our movement exists simply just to travel around the country, city to city, and partner with local churches, serving them throughout the week, and then leading into like an evangelistic worship gathering at the end, where we preach the gospel and give an opportunity for people to come to know Jesus. And so my, I had the opportunity of leading a team, and I know many of you guys stayed up to date with my trip, and I just wanted to say personally, like, thank you so much for praying Thank you so much for keeping up. Like we totally felt your prayers on on our trip. You know, we traveled across the country in a 15-passenger van, which is pretty wild. I was in a 15-passenger van for 10 weeks. It was something else. I don't know if I'd do it again. Probably will, though. And, um, but we didn't have one car trouble the entire trip. Like we we literally drove our van 11,000 miles from coast to coast and didn't have one car trouble. Like, isn't that, that's amazing. That's only God. You know, like my team personally had no car troubles. And I know like it's from like you guys praying. And I thank you so much for that. Also, like my team specifically had no sickness while we were on the trip. For 10 weeks, we were going hard, you know, traveling city to city to city to city. And we didn't miss one day. We didn't miss one day because of a sickness. And I just like, like, thank you guys. I know that comes from prayer. You know, that's not a coincidence. Like God sees, yeah, so right up there, that's a picture of our van, our 15-passenger van. And so I I traveled across the country with six others. Um, Me and one of my good friends from college actually led the team out. And um, we traveled to eight different cities across America. We started in Grand Rapids, and then we went to the east side of Michigan to a city called Croswell, Michigan. And then we went to Boston, Massachusetts, Cincinnati, Ohio, and then we made our way down to Colorado Springs, 
Colorado, Denver, Colorado, Las Vegas, Nevada, and then we ended in Los Angeles, California. So we quite literally went coast to coast, and we got to see so many different people groups and partnered with so many beautiful churches. And the thing that stands out to me from that whole thing, from all of our travels, all of our trips, is that what God is doing in Grand Rapids is what he's doing across the earth. Like what we have going on in Resurrection Life Church is something so special. It's so special. We have a gathering of believers who lift high the name of Jesus, but then are unashamed to carry that message out. And that same DNA, no matter, no matter the culture, no matter the setting, no matter the environment, that's the same across the country. And God, I, I, one huge revelation I had is that God's church is a lot bigger than just Resurrection Life Church. It's a lot bigger than just me and some of my friends. Like God's church is growing across America and people literally by the, by the day by day are literally giving their lives to the Lord and the kingdom is expanding. You know, we hear so much negative news about our nation and a lot of, it, a lot of it's true. You know, our nation is taking a turn for the worse it seems. But I wanna share a message of hope tonight that God is and will continue to break through in the hardest and darkest places of America. He will, he will. And no, it doesn't matter the darkness of the place. Like my team, we spent a week in Las Vegas, you know, and that's quite literally one of the darkest places on earth. You know, sin, sin is just everywhere. But that week, my, me and our team, through street evangelism, we saw close to 35 people give their lives to the Lord. Like, that's, that's a crazy. And then we had another team go, go the week after us. And that team, the week after us, again, saw close to 30 people give their lives to the Lord. Like, and it was just like, people were just so ready and they were so ripe. They, the, the fields were ripe for harvest and people are seeing, I think people are seeing today that the pleasures of this world, they're, they're not satisfying. I do everything that I want to do on my own. I, I, you know, sleep around as much as I want. I get all the prostitutes I want. I gamble all I want. I drink all I want, but I, I'm still left empty at the end. I'm still left empty. And the reason is, they're thirsting after something that we carry. You know, Jesus says in John 7, he says, come to me all who are thirsty. And out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the spirit which was yet to come. And that's, that's the thing that resides inside of us. And the world is longing to see it. It's longing to see it. It's longing to see it. And so with the rest of my time tonight, I'm just going to share a few little testimonies of what the Lord did in and through our movement as a whole and then specifically on my team. And my hope in sharing these testimonies is that you would be inspired, that God would breathe something into you that would say, wow, I can do the same. You know, in John 3 verse 34, Jesus says, I give the spirit without measure. So there's, there's no, it's not like God's like, okay, so Jared had all that happen in his life, so that means uh, so-and-so can't have that in his life because I only have a limited amount of my spirit. That's not how it works. God says he gives his spirit without measure. And whatever he's, he's done in my life and whatever I've seen, he can also do in your life and you can see. That's the power of a testimony. 
In Revelation 19.10, it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so that simply means when I share a testimony, I'm literally drawing on the spirit of God saying, do it again, Lord. Would you do it again? Would you do it again in my life? Would you do it again in those gathered? Jesus, would you do it again? And so I want to jump right into these testimonies that we have here today. So, man, I, I wish I could share every single God moment that happened across the entire summer. But I'm afraid we'd be here till like next Wednesday if I did that, you know. Ah, so, so good. So good. So the first, first story I want to share is um, a, the story of Samo. And I think we have a picture of Samo. Um, yeah, that's him. And so... My team, we spent a week in Boston, and the week that we were in Boston, we partnered with a church called Lion de Judah, and this church was strategically placed next to a block of Boston, which is called Methadone Mile, and Methadone Mile is quite literally a a part of the street that the city government has sanctioned off where it is completely legal for anybody to do any type of drug, and so the the city hoped that they could funnel all the people into one central location and then be able to deal with all of them there in one place. But what happened is their systems and all of their, their efforts got overrun. And now this place is just, it's a place of brokenness. People just looking and striving for their next fix. And, you know, it's it people experiencing so much homelessness and so much drug addiction. And uh, our team, we partnered with the church, and every day we spent a few hours just walking in and out of this place. And, you know, to be honest, like, I thought maybe our team would have been, like, a little bit scared, you know, like, oh my gosh, like, we're, you know, never know what's going to happen with somebody who's, like, dealing with drug addiction. And, but we all, we spent every single morning in the presence of God and in worship, and I literally believe that that because we spent so much time with the Lord, like his spirit got in us and it made us as bold as a lion. Like we were literally walking into this, this part of the city and we had cops telling us, hey, don't go in there. Like these people, they're not your friends. They, they, they'll hurt you. And we just walked in there with, no, with such boldness and the Lord totally protected us. And he was, he was with us the whole time and his spirit was in us. And so, one day while we were walking, actually one day I woke up and I knew we were about to go to Methadone Mile and I was just, I was just spending some time with the Lord and I, was, I had my Bible opened and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit hit me with Romans 5.8 which says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that hit me. And I started journaling and started writing about it. And I was saying, while, while we were still addicted to drugs, Christ died for us. While we were hurting and abusing our family and friends so we could get our next fix, Christ died for us. While I flipped off, when I flipped off every single cop and said so many swear words at everybody walking by, Christ died for us. And that, that shows his great love. And the Holy Spirit started speaking to my heart and he said, Jared, you're not that much different than these people that you see on the streets. Different life circumstances, different decisions that you would have made and you could have been in a similar position. 
Jared, I'm the only reason that there's a difference in your life. And if I can make the difference in your life, I want to make the difference in their life too. And as I'm reading this, this passage and I'm, as I'm journaling in my journal, I'm literally, I'm bawling before the Lord. And then I just feel an overwhelming sense of God's love. And I really start to get like a heart of compassion for these people. I'm not seeing myself as better than them anymore. I'm coming in low and I'm saying, coming in humble. And I'm saying, literally, there's no difference between me and you. I've just, had, I've just met a man. And this man has changed my life. I've just met a man named Jesus. And he's completely revamped everything about me. And he can do the same for you. He can do the same for you. And I'm sitting here just getting a compassion. And this compassionate heart, I believe, is what fuels us in our evangelism. This compassionate heart is what fuels us. And a heart of humility and a heart of compassion will bring effective evangelism. You'll see effective fruit in your life when you come with a heart of compassion and when you come with a heart of humility. In James 4 verse 6, I think we have the scripture pulling up here, but it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to those who are humble. You know, and what is his grace but his unmerited favor? It's God in you being able to do what you could not do on your own. And we need that in our life, but it comes to a humble heart. And then in Matthew 9, it says, Matthew 9 in verse 36 and 37, Jesus is looking at a crowd of people and he sees, it says, he, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And this is the famous verse we all know. It says, and then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his harvest field. And it, so we see that a heart of humility and a heart of compassion really bring effective evangelism. And that's what the Lord had deposited into my heart that morning. And I had no idea what would come the very next day. The very next day, we walk into Methadone Mile, me and my co-leader, Sarah, and uh, we were walking in, we were walking in, and as we're walking into one of the tents where they provide food, um, for, and food and supplies to all of the, the people experiencing homelessness, we see a man walk in, and he's just kind of stumbling, and he just looks like he's limping. And me and Sarah both say, hey, hey sir, how, can, we, can we pray for you? Is everything all right? And he goes, no, no, it's not okay. He said he just snorted a line of crack and it was a bad line. And so he was quite literally just barely hanging on to consciousness. And he was just being ravaged by these drugs that were coursing through his system. And so we sat him down right at a, a little picnic table that they had in there. And we sat down and we started praying for him. We said, Samo, can we pray for you? Can we pray for you? And we started praying. We said, we started binding the spirit of death. And we started praying that any effect of the drug would be cut off from his life. And that no effect would be present in his body. And while I was praying, if, I, while I was praying, I literally saw his eyes start to roll back in his head. Like he was, he was going to pass out. And I, when I saw that, I started praying more fervently. I was like, death, you don't have any. No, you know, I was just like calling it out. And then I watched his eyes roll back forward. And all of a sudden he just starts, you know, he's kind of slumped over and then he, he sits up. And then he looks at us and we were like, how are you feeling? Like what's, 
And he goes, I feel fine. Like, this is, and in that moment, we, ha- we were able to have a 10-minute conversation with this guy who literally moments before just snorted a whole line of crack. Like, there's no way you have a coherent conversation with somebody who does that. And over the course of time, we were able to preach the gospel to this man. And this man, Samuel, ended up giving his life to Jesus. Yeah, praise God. He gave his life to the Lord. And he was just saying, we recorded a video of him, just like, Samuel, what did the Lord do in your life? And he said, Jesus sobered me up. He said, I, 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 had a, a, I had a bad line of crack and I felt like I was having a heart attack, extreme chest pain. But the Lord broke in and he healed me of all of it and now I'm sober. And he said, I'm actually going to give away my crack pipe and he gave it away. And then he gave his life to the Lord and it was so amazing. But all of that, I, you know, I was just reflecting on the, the nature of that testimony this week and it really hit me. And I asked the Lord, like, Lord, that was so cool. And Jared said, you know where that story started, Jared? It didn't start when you walked into those streets. It started when your heart was broken over those people at your host home. Like, when you, when you were alone with me, that's when it, this whole thing started. And it's, it's that heart of compassion. And it's that heart of humility that will bring effective fruit in our lives. So the second story that I have today is not from my team specifically, so we had, we had six teams with the Every Heart Movement that were all spread across the entire country. And we all had different routes that we were going on. But we had one team that spent all eight weeks in Alaska. And they were, they were in Alaska and they, they were flying by plane into villages that had never heard the gospel before. They were flying into unreached people groups. Isn't that sobering? Like in our nation, there's people there's unreached people groups. In our nation, there's people who have never heard the name Jesus before. Whew. That is crazy. And so this team in Alaska, they were in a hub city called Bethel, which is kind of like a congregation of all the villages. And they were there, and all of a sudden, the pastor that they were serving for said, I feel like we're supposed to go to this village called Stony Creek. Or Stony River, I'm sorry. Stony River. And so... They hop in a plane, a couple, of, a couple of the team and these two pastors, they fly into Stony River. And they're just walking around and, you know, they're, not, they're talking with a few people, but not, nothing's really happening that much. And all of a sudden, as they're walking, they hear this banging. And they're like, what the heck? And the banging just persists and it keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. And they look, they look back and they see in one of the houses, there's a man and he's sitting at the window And he's literally banging on the window and he's saying, come in, come in, come in. And so they're kind of confused, but they just turn back and they walk inside this man's house. And the wife opens the door for them. And as they walk in, the wife explains to them how the husband had seen them walking down the side of the road. And he knew that they were good people. And he needed them to come in to their house. And she, she explains that this man has been having a series of strokes for the past number of years. And these strokes have been taking some of his functionality away from his body. To, to where now he, he's completely deaf and he's completely lame. He, can, he cannot walk and he cannot hear. And he's been like that for nine months. 
And so our team comes in and asks and says, hey, can we pray for them? We believe Jesus is a healer and we would love to, love to pray for them. And so they pray. They say, yes, we'll, we'll let you pray. And so they're praying for a number of, number of minutes and you know, they're just praying and declaring the goodness and the healing of God. And as they're praying, as they're praying, as they're praying, the man in the wheelchair starts freaking out. He goes, whoa, oh, oh my gosh. He goes, say something again. I can hear, I can hear, I can hear. And the Lord completely opened his ears. He was completely freed from being deaf. But the story gets better. The worship pastor says, I believe that Jesus is not done in this place. We would love to pray for you to walk, sir. And he says, bring it on. And so they, they lay their hands and all of a sudden this man starts, I, I feel heat in my legs. I feel heat running up and down my legs. And he says, I want to try to walk. And one by one, he lifts his legs out of the wheelchair and stands up. And they, these people are helping him, but he was completely paralyzed at this moment. And they literally help him walk around the entire room. And over the course of some minutes, as they're worshiping and praying, the Lord completely restores his nervous system and he's able to walk completely on his own. Jesus completely healed him. And that's, that's, like, that's like the stuff you hear in like the Bible. Like what the heck? That's wild, you know? And like some of my friends have literally seen that with their eyes. Like, whoa, that's so cool. That is so cool. And after that happened, they were able to gather most of the village. And they preached the gospel to this village. And the majority of those gathered gave their lives to the Lord. And now in Stony River, there was no, there was no gospel presentation there was no hub for the gospel to be proclaimed before these guys went there was there was a deaf man there was a paralyzed man and there was a village who had no idea who Jesus was but after we after these guys have been sent and after they obeyed the Lord and just walking in simple obedience there's a man who can hear now there's a man who can walk now and there's a village with a church that is fired up for the gospel and is committed to being discipled by this missionary pastor like, isn't that amazing? Praise God. Praise God. You know, and we hear stories like this in the Bible. We read about them, but it, it hits different when, when you hear about them today. You know, and I just want to encourage us today that, man, the same God who's the, who opened blind eyes and deaf ears in the Bible is the same God who's in us and with us today. And it doesn't matter. All, all, God, all God is looking for is your willingness he says in, in Isaiah 1, verse 19, he says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the fruit of the land. If you're willing and obedient. He doesn't say if you're qualified and ready, you'll eat the fruit of the land. He says, if you're willing and obedient. God's not asking the question, are you ready? He's asking the question, are you willing? And if you're willing to step out, he'll make you ready in that moment by the Holy Spirit. Woo! Praise God, praise God. The... The last story that I wanted to share today um, actually started, it started in Boston as well, but actually ended up, ended up in Denver, Colorado. And so while I was in Boston, I was coming near the end of my journal. Um, I just keep a journal and I just write down like cool things that the Lord does in my life or write down things that, you know, the Lord shows me like cool revelations and I'll write or write out prayers and things and it's just been super helpful to remember the Lord's faithfulness to me over the years. 
You know, I have journals all the way back from when I was 13 years old. And just like seeing how God was faithful to me back then, just, man, whenever I'm in a downtime, like I run back to that journal and say, Lord, like let me remember what you've done in my life. Let me remember the way you've been faithful to me. Let me remember that time when I stood up in front of my whole class and shared a word from God in it and it hit my one classmate, you know? Like let me remember those times that, that I was nervous and yet you came through. Let me remember those times where you provided for me a missions trip when I had zero dollars you know, let me, let me remember that time that you provided. And so I, if you don't journal, I would highly encourage you, buy just a journal. It could be just even a notebook and just say like, start writing down the ways the Lord's been faithful to you. Write down the things that he does in your life because it'll be super helpful down the, down the road. But anyway, I was coming near the end of my journal and I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, Jared, when you buy a new journal, when you buy a new journal on this tour, you have to pay attention to who's around you because I have somebody there for you that you're gonna minister to. And I said, okay, duly noted. And so I just, like, just kind of kept going around and several weeks later, we were in Denver and I came to the end of my journal. And the next day, it was a Friday, we were sitting in a coffee shop and I felt like the Lord was like, all right, Jared, today's the day. Like, go buy a journal. And so I... I sit up and I, we were all at a coffee shop. We were preparing for our gathering, um, just kind of getting ready, taking some rest time. And I stood up, I nudged one of my buddies, Tyler, and Tyler's 6'7", he's a pretty daunting guy, but he's an awesome man of God. And so I got, I, I'm walking, you know, I'm 5'9", this giant's walking with me, you know. And we're just walking down the road and we're looking for a bookstore. I pull one up on my phone. I walk across the street, but classic, I, I walked the wrong way. And so I had to turn around. But as I turned around, I saw this shop, and it was called the Kitschy Witch, Kitsy Witch or something like that. And I was like, witch? And I nudged my buddy, and I was like, hey, you want to stir up some trouble? And he goes, he goes, let's do it. And so we, like, walk across. We're expecting to, like, encounter this, like, witchcraft store, you know. We walk in, you know. We're, like, having, like, a pregame huddle before we go in. Like, okay, you go this, like, you know. And then we're, like, hyping each other up, and we walk inside the store, and it turns out it's just an antique shop. Like, <laughs> and so like, I'm like walking in, guns a blazing. And it's, I'm like, you know, there's a bunch of like old ladies just kind of rummaging around. And I was like, this is not what I was expecting. So then I'm like kind of thrown off and, you know, I'm kind of walking around. I'm like, okay, Lord, like what's going on here? And so uh, I see this bookshelf and I just like look down at the bookshelf. There's this huge red book and I read it and I'm like, ah, that doesn't seem interesting. And then I see... I see this corner, just, just this. It was pinned between two books. And I was like, huh, I wonder what that is. And I pulled it out, and it literally says journal right on the front of it. And I was like, all of a sudden, I just got like Holy Spirit chills. And like I just felt the fear of God. I was like, this is the journal. This is the one you spoke to me about in Boston. This is the one. And I was like kind of, and then I, I just like, I was like nervous all of a sudden. I was like, Lord, who, who am I supposed to talk to? Wow, like somebody's going to get wrecked in this store. Like, is this the right place? I don't know. And so I'm walking around just kind of looking at things with no intention of buying them just because I'm nervous. And, you know, I'm like, wow, this is a nice teacup. <laughs> and like just kind of walking around. And all of a sudden I walk and I feel that the, the cashier, the person behind the counter is the one the Lord just gives me a heart of compassion for her. And 
So I just, I go up and I buy the journal and at the end of the whole transaction, I just ask her, hey, um, I'm actually from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And long story short, I explained a little bit about the journal. I said, can I pray for you? And she said, yeah, you can pray. And so I just, I just said a prayer and as I was praying, the Lord showed me this picture of her um, just cr- literally crying on the side of her bed. And I just called it out and I said, the Lord sees the times where you've been so overwhelmed that you, you cry on the side of your bed. He sees that. He sees you in that moment and I want you to know that he's the one who's putting his arm around you and comforting you. He sees you. And, you know, I was just praying and I didn't think, you know, I just prayed that he would be, she would be blessed and all that stuff. And I look up and she's just got tears in her eyes. And she was just saying how, like, she's been going through just some hard things and really, really tough. And she's been, she hasn't been to church in a long, long time because she runs her own business and is trying to do all the things. But she says, like, literally, like, I feel like I've, I'm seen and known in this moment. And then Tyler, he gets a, a word of knowledge about her struggling with anxiety. And we get to pray for her that to be released from spirit of anxiety and then we also get to bless her financially as well just to help out with her business. And all of that, she, this, this lady is just so touched. And she feels so seen by God. So seen. And at the end of our encounter, I literally got to share. I said, literally, God spoke to me about you when I was halfway across the country in Boston. Like, that's how much he cares for you. And that's, that's how much he knows you and sees you, and that's how much he cares. And isn't it comforting to know that we have a God who would send somebody from halfway across the country just to minister to a woman who's having a rough time? We, we serve a God who is powerful, who can do the mighty things, split the Red Sea, but he's also the God who will go after the one, who will leave all the 99 behind and say, you're worth the time. You're worth it. You're worth it. And we see like a similar interaction. You know, the God who sees. You know, that, that interaction actually comes from Genesis 16. And I believe it's Genesis, I believe it's verse 13. But Hagar, who is Abraham's, um, Ab- Sarah, who is Abraham's wife, his midwife, so helps Sarah out a lot. Hagar is basically driven away from Abraham's family and she's lost in the desert. And she is literally at the edge of her life. And we find her in this distraught spot in verse 13 and says, then she, Jesus meets her in that moment. It says the angel of the Lord. And very frequently in the Old Testament, we see the angel of the Lord. It, it's an it's a Old Testament example of Jesus actually being present. And so it's the angel of the Lord meets her there and encourages her in that moment when she was so distraught. And this is what Hagar says in verse 13 of Genesis 16. It says, then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees. For she said, have I also seen him who sees me? And that is what I want to camp on as we wrap up service here tonight is that God is a God who sees you. And he's a God who cares for you. He sees all of the hurt, all of the pain. 
He sees everything that you've gone, gone through. He sees all of your good decisions and he's seen all of your bad decisions. But here's the good news. It says in John 3 verse 17 that God did not come into the world to condemn you, but that through him, through Jesus, you might be saved. And if you're here in this room or if you're watching online, I want you to know that God sees you and he cares for you with an everlasting care. He loves you with an everlasting love. And if, if we will come humbly before him, we'll humble ourselves to say, Lord, you're right. I'm not in a good place. I have sinned against you. I've lied, I've cheated, I've stolen, I've looked at porn, I've slept around. I've done a number of things, Lord, against your word, and I, I'm sorry. If we come in humbly like that, it says that God, James 4, 6, will give us grace. And that grace is open and available for you tonight. That grace is open and available for you tonight. Today's the day. Today's the day. So with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, Jesus says in his word, whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. You might be asking, saved from what? Saved from the penalty of our sin, of our wrongdoing, which is death, eternal separation from God in hell. But Jesus literally says, over my dead body will you go to hell. He took our payment of death so that we could have everlasting life here and in heaven with him. And if that's you tonight, and you're saying, wow, I don't know where I stand with Jesus, but I feel, I feel seen by him right now. I feel seen by him. And I know that he sees me because he wants a relationship with me. And I, I wanna give everything to him. I wanna turn from my old ways. I wanna repent from my sin. And I wanna trust Jesus with my life. If that's you in this room or watching online, if you're online, you could just type in yes. But if you're in this room, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see you. I see you. I see you. Thank you for all those people responding online. Thank you. You can type yes in the chat. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, your spirit is here to save. You can put your hands down. And if everybody together here would just pray this prayer after me, it's, it's not anything about the prayer, but it's really just a heart posture. It's really just words to give language for what your heart is really crying out for. You're saying, Jesus, I'm done with my life. I don't want to give you everything. I want to hold nothing back. If you want to repeat this prayer, everyone together with me, Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I am a sinner, but I thank you that you have made me righteous because I confess you as Lord of my life and I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. 
Jesus, I give you everything. Take my whole life. I don't want any part of it. Holy Spirit, come and help me walk this out right. Teach me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give a hand? Come on. Praise God. That's amazing. People literally in this room pass from death to life. Literally, we're in the kingdom of darkness, but now are in the kingdom of the son of his love. People on the line have literally given their lives to Jesus. And now they're walking in a journey of freedom with him. They're walking in a journey. Thank you, Jesus. And then lastly, as we kind of close up here is, thank you guys so much for having me tonight. It's been such an honor to share what the Lord's been doing over the summer, but it's an honor just to share the burden and compassion that I have for him. You know, I love Jesus so much, and I love you guys so much. And if you need prayer for anything, whether it's prayer for, like, just an increase of Holy Spirit boldness or prayer for just something tough going in your life, me and my dad, we're going to be hanging out after service and just... Uh, we'll be up here, so feel free to come up and receive prayer. Um, and the last thing I wanted to say is that, you know, with a, a lot of the loss that we're feeling as a family in Res Life, there can be a lot of doubts and there can be a lot of questions that come up in our mind. And my encouragement to you, just like I shared right at the beginning, is not, not to let those questions turn you away from the Lord, but to let those questions actually take you deeper to the Lord. Run to Jesus with those questions. Run to him with those doubts. Because just like he did with Thomas in John 20, he wants to pull you close. And he wants to show you the scars in his hands and the scar in his side. He's not afraid of your doubts and questions. He wants you to come to him to bring deeper relationship. So thank you guys so much. Bless you guys.